I guess you could say I liked Andy Dufresne right away. Until the day came when Andy showed up and made a request that I'll never forget. Hey, Red. Hello, Andy. What can I do for you? Well, you, everyone around the yard says that you're the guy to go to if you need something smuggled in, in into the prison. I have been known to find a thing or two on occasion. Great. This. Uh, listen, I need you to bring in... I need a microphone. Can you get get me a microphone? A microphone. Okay. It's going to cost you. Okay, great. All right, that's fine. Also, I need a laptop computer. The, uh, a w- Audio cable. Uh, oh, uh, and it's 1947. I don't care. Shut up and listen to me. I need those. I need all those things smuggled in. Okay. okay. And the last thing is imperative. Okay. I'm listening. I need a pe- podcasting co-host. I don't know what any of Here, those words. I wrote mean. down. I wrote down all of his information. His name is Chief Steve Shives. Sure. You need to kidnap him, smuggle him in in the, in the prison laundry, okay. and deliver him to myself. All right. You want me to smuggle a person into prison for you? Did I stutter? Get busy living, or get busy dying. That's goddamn right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is so good that it didn't win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Well, yeah... Neither a- did another movie that's even better than this one called <laughs> Pulp Fiction. It failed to win Academy Award for Best best Picture. It was a tough year. It was a tough year. No, it fucking wasn't. It was not a tough year. Had this movie or Pulp Fiction won, I would have gone, yeah, good. Makes sense. <laughs> but instead, what won, Steve? Oh, well, this would be the year that Forrest Gump won Best Picture. <laughs> and like everything else at the Oscars that year. And the veneer of Hollywood, it's, it's fucking fake porcelain mask cracked. And I could see the gooey, green, hideous monster behind it, chuckling, rubbing its genitalia whilst <laughs> slathering yes. money all over its Forrest great Gump. swollen yes, belly. Gump. <laughs> yep. What, what movie are we going to review? We are going to review... I gotta calm down for a second, okay? Just you you tell them. We are going to review that all-time classic feel-good prison movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Yay! The Shawshank Redemption! Yeah. It's such a... It's such a good movie. <laughs> it's a Why? movie set in a terrible prison that the whole family can enjoy. It makes you man cry. <laughs> where you it's you the... went in and you didn't think you were going to man cry, and then you went, they're friends. They're friends, <laughs> and they're going to be together. <laughs> it's the movie you watch with your dad when you want to cry with your dad. That's right. Or maybe sometimes your grandpa. Sure, if he's alive. And he doesn't hate black people. And you want to make him sad. Yeah, and he doesn't hate black people. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> well, that's inaccurate. They wouldn't have black, black prisoners and white prisoners in the... Shut, 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 up, your, shut up. Shut your fucking mouth. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> you, said you, you, back your, you back your own you grandfather just, up against the wall and put your finger in his face and go, just, You shut your fucking mouth. You pull the pull tab on your PBR and you shove it in your mouth and you <laughs> shut up. <laughs> exactly. Grandma asked me to kill you again. Because <laughs> she ain't got the balls to do it herself. She says, if I'm making chip bees on toast for him one more time for breakfast, I'm going to take this fork and I'm going to jab it right in his temple. 
but she's too weak. I'm revealing a lot about my grandpa. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, he's got good taste in breakfasts, though, because ain't nothing better than a good chip beef on toast. A good cream That's chip true. beef on toast. Oh, my God. I can't eat it anymore. Neither can I, usually, because you know I'm You know what I'm beats vegetarian. that? You know what beat, beats that is uh, biscuits and gravy, oh, fuck which was yes. my, like my favorite breakfast item. Yeah, baby. You just give me give me some of that. Country gravy. Country, you know, with globs of stuff you can't identify. It doesn't matter. Stuff that may be sausage. I don't know. doesn't matter. Put that shit on that biscuit. You know, here's the beauty of it. You know that it's literally just flour mixed in with grease and you don't right. care. You want it you in your body. You don't give a shit. <laughs> it's like the weird things that I, I, I miss that. I miss... Um, there was a, a wonderful time where you could go to KFC and just buy a box of uh, French fried chicken liver. Oh, man. Oh, I love fried chicken liver. Mm-hmm. I love fried and chicken you liver. You could just buy a whole box of them, but I guess people went, eh, it's a strong taste, and they so they stopped making it's it. Like, yeah, well, just then don't buy it, yeah, genius. I'm forcing you to eat it. If people are noticing, I'm like crawling around on the ground trying to grab something. Okay, there we go. Oh, do you have some fried chicken liver there with you? I wish mm. I could make some tonight. Actually, there's a place. I've there, made it there's, a, there's a there's a place around here that I order from sometimes that makes them, and oh, oh, so good. My son has developed the same kind of taste that I do. So I made him French fried chicken livers, and he loved them. And then I made him oxtails, which he had never had before, and he loved those too. So anyway, anything? And are we going to talk about this? Yeah, movie? you want to talk about the movie at some point? I don't know. Do you have trivia for the Shawshank Redemption? I do have some trivia for the Shawshank Redemption. Okay, now that you mention it. Yay! I want to hear okay, it. Okay, I'll share it with you. Stop teasing Since me. You asked. I'm not into okay. edging. Just do it. <laughs> so. If you're going to put it in, just put it okay, in. Okay, okay, fine. Well, here it comes. Get ready. Brace yourself. Okay. This is still edging. Okay. <laughs> Go. So, Morgan Freeman calls this his favorite of his own films. Okay. And another person involved with the movie who says it's his favorite is Stephen King. Who oh, is yeah. who is famously critical of adaptations of his work? He's well for a reason. Yeah, you know, for yeah for good reason because most films made about Stephen King stories have not turned out great. But uh, Stephen King is famously very very picky when it comes to he. I mean he's it's easy to get him to sell you the rights. Oh sure, because he likes money. Yeah, because he likes money. But it's very he he you know he's known for not liking adaptations of his work. But this he says is his favorite film ever made based on his work. And in fact, he sold the rights to the story to Frank Darabont for five thousand oh, dollars. Never, geez. never cashed the check. And oh. and eventually, a couple years later, when the movie had become like this beloved thing, he mailed the check back to Frank Darabont with a note that said, in case you ever need bail money. That's how much Stephen <laughs> King liked this movie. Um, so King made no money off of this? Apparently not, unless he had like a deal for residuals or something. But I mean, yeah, from what I because found, he, like... he sold the rights for five grand and never even cashed the check. Now, I'm not one of the people who said that all of his adaptations are shitty. Oh, not right? all of them are. Certainly not all of them are. I really don't count The Shining, because if The Shining had made been made accurate to the book, it would have been a ridiculous mess, right? Because it's nothing like the book. Okay? Oh, yeah. But there have been some other adaptations of King's work that have done fairly well, but they have changed it a lot, right? Yeah, and, and Stephen don't like that either. No, he doesn't. I mean, there's like Carrie... Christine, mm-hmm. The Shining, the 80s were just a mess of adaptations. Oh my God, there were so many Stephen King movies that came out in the 80s. Like every week there mm-hmm. was a new one. 
Right, but this was like after Misery, I think, because Misery came out before this, right? Yes, Misery was like 89 or 90, I think. Yeah. Mystery was the first time they said, hey, let's adapt one of his non-spook-em-ups. Yeah, and let's try to make a good movie. Right, and they did. And so then this movie came along, and then the movie after this, which could be the sequel, I don't know, which is kind of a spook-em-up, but not really. It has, you know, supernatural stuff, is The Green Mile. Yeah, also directed by Frank Darabont. Which yeah. also makes people cry like fucking babies at the end of it. But uh, yeah, so more. Yeah. Give me, give me more. Also, also has easily the most dramatically framed shot of a man taking a piss that you'll ever see in a movie. The Green Mile. Um, <laughs> well, it's Hanks. That's true. Hanks is of like, course. if I'm going to take a piss Hanks. on camera, it's going to be. Hey, when's my pissing scene? <laughs> oh God, we got to write it in. He's been, he's been asking about. <laughs> Can this we make all the whole month. thing about him not being able to piss? You got to have him piss on screen, or you're, you know. You're, it's uh, not a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> you're blue balling uh, the audience there. That's right. They're waiting for yeah. it. Yeah. Tom Hanks' last movie is where he's literally pissing right onto the camera. <laughs> the uh, the scene in News of the World where he pisses right into the camera like the cowboy from Great Train Robbery is classic. <laughs> um, that didn't happen. He said, if I'm going to make a Western, I'm going to make a goddamn Western. Anyway. I don't know how I feel about that movie. I thought it was good. I, it was good, I but it. it was I. There's some Indian stuff in there. Yeah, you're, I agree. That, I agree. That I don't. I know. I understand what they were trying to do, but is there a reason why that little girl was blonde and blue eyed? Yeah. Other than I stuff. I I, <laughs> I appreciated what it was trying to do, which was to sort of be yeah. an inverse of the Searchers. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I, I. But yeah, you're right. There were still parts of it that was like I don't know about that. Um, but I. Over, but it was beautiful. Overall, I really liked it. Was, it. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys haven't, go go on to Netflix. Or is it? I think. No, I think it's it's on it's, it's, HBO, it's on Max. HBO Max now. Yeah. If you have HBO Max, go on and go ahead and watch yeah. it. It's been a while since I'd seen a, an interesting, well-made western. Yeah, it was. So. It, I thought it was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to this movie. Okay, so anyway, more trivia. But yeah, this was also believe it or not, this is 1994. Believe it or not, this is the first movie for which Morgan Freeman performed a voiceover narration. What? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, because his his career resurgence really didn't start until the late 80s. That's right. With whatever with that movie Street was. Smart. With he did, Christopher, he, yeah, he did yeah, Street Smart. Yeah, with Chris Reeves. And then, of course, and, you know, and he was in Unforgiven, uh, which, you know, he was a supporting character and didn't have a narrator. Like, this was the first right. movie he had starred in where he did a voiceover narration in addition to playing a character. And he was so good at it that after that, they started having him do voiceovers for movies he wasn't even in. Yeah, I know. I know. They were like, screw it. Let's get Morgan Freeman to just say some words. <laughs> and he was like... Well, he He's got such a great voice. He has an That's amazing voice. Um, yeah. So and 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 of course he was nominated for for uh, for best actor for this. He didn't win, but he was nominated. And a lot of people said. I think Roger Ebert even said that the reason if he had not done the voiceover narration, he may not have been nominated because that is such a part of the it's performance. A, it's an integral part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I bitch and moan. How oh about it, yeah, voiceover. it can be done. It can be done poorly so easily, and often is. But this also, and Steve should be thankful of this. The voiceover narration, you could show what he was what he was voicing, but the movie would be four hours long. It would yes. be much longer yes. than it is now. Yes, 
you know, when he says, Andy didn't take anything in his mouth that night, and, and, you know, and he goes on in this thing, and you could demonstrate that, but sure. that adds running time. And who's going to complain about hearing Morgan Freeman say anything? Yeah, just uh, anyway, skipping ahead a few months, you know, like, yeah, that's right. Get us ahead. Keep the story moving, Morgan. Keep it moving. He's going to be in prison for 20 years. Come on, let's go. Okay. Okay. Um, So Frank Darabont, actually, after he got, after he bought the rights to the story from Stephen King, he actually originally wrote the script on spec. He did not have a deal to sell the script or to make the movie when he wrote the script. Um, But after he wrote the script, it became kind of a hot property in Hollywood for a little bit. And actually, Rob Reiner... Because the script was really good. Because it was really good. Exactly. I I mean, there were so many people, and I'm sure when we get to the Who Made It, you'll probably have some stuff about, you know, people who wanted to play different parts or whatever, because it was like everybody wanted to be in it. Everybody wanted to make it. Um, I have none of that shit. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. Uh, (laughs) Rob Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner offered Frank Darabont two and a half million dollars for the script. So, Thank God and, didn't get And it. ultimately, Frank Darabont turned him down and turned down everybody else who wanted to buy it so they could direct it because he realized that this, you know, was his chance. Now that there was uh-huh. so much interest in the script and he knew that it was plausible for him to talk somebody into letting him direct it as well as write it. Right. Um, he, he thought that this was his chance to do something great. And, and the deal that he finally got that allowed him to direct the movie um, he had to take a pay cut in order to do it, but mm-hmm. he did it because he believed that strongly in, in his script and in his ability to make the movie himself. Um, yeah. And yeah, as you say, yes, thank goodness <laughs> that, <laughs> that Frank Darabont directed this instead of Rob Reiner. I would only agree with one situation. What? If, um, what's his name, uh, Zemeckis wanted to buy the script and make that instead of making Forrest Gump. Ooh, that would have been interesting. I would be willing to sacrifice the integrity of this movie if it prevented us from having a Forrest Gump. <laughs> so you want to you you would you you would take possibly a lesser version of Shawshank if it would, I if don't it would get want rid of the Forrest movie Gump. to exist that badly. <laughs> I want well, look, I want it gone. Zemeckis Zemeckis is a solid director, so I'm sure, sure. I'm sure if he had directed this exact same script, I'm sure it still would have been a good movie. Like, he's a solid director. Um, I don't know if it would have been as good because I think, frankly, I think Frank Darabont is a better director than Robert Zemeckis. Um, But I think he's a better director than a lot of people, actually. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think it probably still would have been good because it is such a solid script. Um, Anyway, and last thing, Shawshank Redemption is the movie that has spent the most time of any film at the top of the Internet Movie Database's top 250 list, which <laughs> ranks movies according to user ratings. And as of this recording, uh-huh. it is there right now, I checked. Um, it, is, uh-huh. it is no exaggeration to call this one of the most beloved films ever made. For as long as I have been paying attention to the IMDb Top 250, which is like over 20 years at this point, um, it has always been a situation where every once in a while, maybe like a new movie will come out that everybody uh-huh. just loves. Like I remember when The Dark Knight first, the, the Dark Knight was number one on IMDb top 250 for a little while, but eventually uh-huh. it slipped and Shawshank went yep. right back up. You know, some, right. sometimes The Godfather will switch places with it because The Godfather is usually number two. Sometimes The Godfather yeah. will sneak up there real quick, but then Shawshank takes it back. Like Shawshank is always 
like the defending champion of the top of of number one on the top two fifty at IMDb. It's it is so yeah. fucking watchable. Well, that's yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the basic thing is is that you can sit down and it's over, and you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why is my face wet? <laughs> What's what happened? Um, Did I feel emotions? <laughs> <laughs> all right, you That's done? all I got. Good. Here's who made it. It's directed by Frank Darabont, and Steve already talked about him. But you also know that he made movies like The Green Mile. Yeah. And the most underrated horror movie ever, The Mist. Oh, such a great movie and such a great Twilight Zone <laughs> ending. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so. It's yeah, like, Frank. It's like Frank Darabont, <laughs> you monster. If Rod Serling was forgot to take his antidepressants, it would be the greatest <laughs> I feel like if, Twilight Zone. I feel like if Rod Serling was alive and saw that movie, he even Rod Serling would be like, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think that's a little too far. You killed everyone, oh my including God. the child. That was some dark shit. <laughs> yeah, great movie. Usually only my bad guys get that kind yeah. of ending. Why... <laughs> So you chose to punish all of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, that lady that left earlier, she's still alive with her kids. That's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. Really twist the knife in the final moments. I'm going to lay down in my pool now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, screenplay by Frank Darabont. And you know him from other screenplays like the best Freddy Freddy Krueger movie. That's true. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. That's true. Also, one another one of the most underappreciated horror movies that came out in the late 80s, the remake of The Blob. <gasps> yes. That is a great movie. It's a great popcorn movie. It's so gory and it's great. Based on Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption, which is a story story by Stephen King. And I think people should just stick to his short stories because those are the ones that always seem to work the best. It seems like that's usually the case, yeah. Prior to this, the one that got the most attention was Stand By Me. Yeah, which was which a was short, a short story. story, The, the, the body. body, yeah. Right. Okay. Produced by Nikki Marvin, and she also produced Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, and I nothing else, really. Thank you, Nikki. <laughs> Starring Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne. Do I need to mention <laughs> what else he's He's made been some in? movies in his time. He's made some movies. You'll remember him from our Bull Durham review. Mm-hmm. Right? Or The Green Lantern. Remember that movie? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds hopes you don't. No. <laughs> well, actually, no. He makes jokes about it now, so he's fine with it. But, yeah. yeah. Morgan Freeman as Ellis Boyd Red Redding. I'm not going to do it. You guys know who he is. We talked about him for ten minutes before we got he here. He told you the story about the penguins. Remember the penguins? Mm-hmm. Remember? Bob Gunton is Samuel Norton. And you know, he's a great character actor. Yeah. And he's been in tons of stuff. And you might remember him from, like, Demolition Man mm-hmm. and a lot of TV. And he's also very popular on stage. He's a great character Terrific. actor. He doesn't get enough work. Yeah. Um, William Sadler. Oh, talk about... William Sadler is Haywood, and Steve and I know him from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Luther Sloan. <laughs> but you know him as Death from Bill and Ted. Um, mm-hmm. What is it, Bogus? Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Yes. And whatever the name of the sequel was that came out, was it this year or last year? I yeah, last remember. year, yeah. Was it last year? Bill and year. Ted Face the Music, um, yeah. 
Um, and he was also in Iron Man 3, and he's great. He is just great. Mm-hmm. I have never seen him put in a bad performance. He is a great character actor. Clancy Brown, speaking of which, <laughs> as Byron Hadley, and you know him from Highlander and SpongeBob SquarePants, and uh, he was in The Mandalorian in one of the episodes, and he's, he's again, he's been in everything. Yeah, and he, and he was uh, the voice of Lex Luthor in Superman the Animated Series. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. That, that's true. And he also should have probably played Hellboy. Ooh, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gil Bellows is Tommy Williams, and you'll know him from nothing. And also Ally McBeal. <laughs> James Whitmore. James Whitmore, who with a simple turn of two muscles in his face can make you weep like a goddamn baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, James Whitmore is Brooks Hadlin, and uh, he's been in everything. TV, movies, stage plays, he's always great. He's a fantastic character actor. He lived on well past this movie, um, and he's just... hes Why isn't there like a statue of James Whitmore someplace? He's so good. He's so good. Mark Rolston is Boggs Diamond. You know, the rapist. <laughs> yeah, you that guy. And you'll know him. He was Prince Charming in Aliens, and he was in Lethal Weapon 2, and he was in The Departed, and he was in one of the Saw movies, I think. And he's always, like, a kind of a bad guy. Yeah. He's, at least, you know, well, you don't feel comfortable He's got that him. kind of face. Yeah, you know. exactly. Cinematography by Roger Deakins, and uh, he has worked heavily with the Coen brothers and Sam Mendes and Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Right? V- whatever. Yeah, v- or whatever, yeah. I, I, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Um, he's great. He's a great cinematographer. Oh, he's fantastic. There's a reason why he gets so much work. There's a reason. Yeah. And usually associated with fantastic movies. Edited by Richard Francis and, um, oh, Richard Francis Bruce. And he's uh, edited movies like Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, Seven, The Rock, tons of movies. He's very good. Music by Thomas Newman. And he's scored movies like American Beauty, The Green Mile, Angels in America, Finding Nemo, and Wally. He's underappreciated. He is. He gets a lot of work, but he's very good. He's kind of like a tier below like the Alan Silvestri's and the John Williams's and the James Horner's and such, but he's like, yeah, he's fantastic. You know what it is? He doesn't, he, John Williams has a tendency to put a hook into all of his scores, right? Oh yeah. He puts a hook into all of his scores so that we can always go dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's Harry Potter. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's Jaws. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's Indiana Jones. This guy doesn't do that shit. No, what's the theme from from Shawshank? I mean, I, 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 if, if you've seen the movie enough times and then you heard, like, the more recognizable parts of the score, I think you would know them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that it doesn't have recognizable phrases in the score, but, it, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. like a, it's not like a, there's not a hero he does more theme. Mood, he does mood, more mood pieces than anything else. Yeah. He doesn't, like... He doesn't put a, like a trade, uh, not a trademark, but some catchy tune that that you then associate with the, with the property, and that that's talent. He doesn't need to be John Williams. That's right, Thomas Newman. You're great. Yeah. I love you. 
Production company Castle Rock Entertainment, distributed by Columbia Pictures, release date September 23, 1994, running time 142 minutes, but it'll seem like less. Mm. You'll be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, it's dark now? What happened? <laughs> Budget, $25 million. Box office, $58 million. Hmm. So anyone want to know why Forrest Gump won? Yeah. Any- anybody? Because Forrest Gump made all the monies, because all you fuckers went in there and went, even Steve, I love this movie. Let's not turn this into a personal attack. But movies with some meat and actual human emotion yeah. in it. Fuck them. Steve, uh-huh. you ready? To go to prison? To go do our time <laughs> up in Shawshank? To go do our stretch at Shawshank? You ready to become institutionalized to the point you're scared to leave? Yeah. Something that has never been put forward in a movie before. Yeah, and then we're gonna carve our names on the on the railing. That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna carve an I hate Steve. Oh. Or I did time for Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to go into Shawshank and do our time and make good friends? Yeah, I'm ready. Horrible enemies yeah. and get used. <laughs> but never give up hope. Yeah, remember, hope's a good thing. Yeah, Morgan Freeman, That's whole, you idiot. whole point of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get ready and go into the world of the Shawshank Redemption. Steve, mm-hmm. take it away. Oh, boy. So um, we get some cutting back and forth of, of, of Andy sitting in a car. And looking mm-hmm. like he's he's got a he's got a bottle of whiskey with him, and he's sta- he's like he's, he picked up a, mis- a a big huge mistake packet oh, from the, the local yes, five. he's got chat. he's got some booze. Like, he's got a gun. Hi, how do you, how, what what do you have for sale for someone who wants to make a tragic life choice? Well, I mean, we have this packet here. It comes with a full bottle of whiskey and a gun with bullets yeah. in it. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme give that. Yeah, gimme give give the number two. I want, yeah, I want that. Um. So he's got. So you sure you don't want the heroin kit and numbers to children? No, I want that one. The gun and whiskey. Give me, give me that one. We'll see how this goes. Okay. And then I might be back for the heroin. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so so we get we get Andy's Tim Robbins. Fuck it, I'm gonna start making those. Yeah. <laughs> what horrible life mistake kits? Mm-hmm. Here you go. This one's a specialty one. It's a picture of your mother having an affair <laughs> and poison. It could be like the next big e-business. You could be advertising on other podcasts before you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you upset, but you don't know what to do? Boy, can't you just hear Conan O'Brien doing that cold read? <laughs> I want him to do it as an ad spot on his fucking exactly. podcast. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, and Andy Dufresne so is drinking. He, yeah, and, and we cut back and forth between that and sometime later when Andy is on trial for murder. Because it turns out what happened that night was Andy or somebody, we don't know at this point. It's just the start of the movie. We just got here. Mm-hmm. S- somebody murdered Andy's wife and her lover, who she was having an affair with, in the house he's sitting in front of right at that very minute. That's right. <sighs> and he seems cold in the in the... In the court. Yeah, because they're like... And he can't remember what happened. Yeah, and he says he says that he didn't do anything, that he had the gun, and he was thinking about doing something, but he ended up driving home, and he threw the gun into the river. So 
and of course the mm-hmm. murder weapon was never found so it does it actually right. it actually looks bad for Andy because you know if he said oh no I didn't fire the gun my gun's right here they could at least look at it right but he threw his gun right. away and there's no murder weapon and it was the same caliber gun that was used to kill him and everything um, so Andy mm-hmm. doesn't do too well at the trial and what I mean by that no. is he gets convicted and sentenced to two life sentences that's right um, so then we cut to red yeah, so we yeah he gets sentenced to prison and then we cut to Shawshank prison we get a nice aerial shot over the prison so we can see how beautiful the prison is it's gorgeous. it's a gorgeous prison it's really a nice Lovely. prison if I was gonna have to mm. do the rest of my life in prison I'd want to do it in a nice beautiful stone and brick prison like Shawshank that's right I want to go to where the celebrities go when they have to do their incredibly truncated time for the horrific crimes that they've committed. Exactly. You know, if you've, if you've bankrupted, I don't know, a few thousand people to the point in which they committed suicide, you can be guaranteed that if you're a rich fuck in this country, you're going to get two years at a club fed where you'll literally sit in a lounge chair. Right, Steve? Exactly. That's what happens. That's, that's, but if you they, got no money... They call that justice... Uh-huh. Anyway, so yeah, we meet Red. Sit we, next we, to we, Martha Stewart. <laughs> we meet Red. Remember when she went to prison? I remember for like what two weeks. Yeah, how many fingers did she have in her holes? Probably none. Probably none. She learned nothing. Do you, do you, do you know? What? Do you know how many? Do you know how many, Jason? As no. many as she wanted. <laughs> That's how many. I don't think any of them want to go near her. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, so we meet. Red's getting, Red's at the Pearl board. Right, right. And and he's like, I've learned my lesson. And then I said, no, you didn't. They rejected. Rejected. And then the bus comes up. Yeah. And Andy Dufresne comes in with some narration. Yeah, this is where the narration starts. And Red, Red tells us, you know, I bet every prison in America has a man like me. And, and he, he Red is the guy in the prison who can get you stuff from the outside. He's like the, the trafficker. He knows people. And right. he can sneak stuff in and get you contraband and stuff. Um, and, That's right. And so, and yeah. And the, everything is contraband. Yeah. And he, uh, and he, the, the, uh, the prisoners all sort of line up to watch the new meat come in. And take bets. And take bets on who's going to be the first to break down and cry on their first night. That's their, that's That's the action that they're taking now. And, you know. And red bets on, bets on Andy. Right. Because Andy, he said, you know, because Andy's kind of, he's, you know, his shoulders are rounded and he's kind of shuffling along and he looks really quiet and really sort of pale. And, and red's like, oh, that guy's not going to make it in here. You know, I think he mm-hmm. says like, it looked like a stiff breeze would have blowed him over, you know? Yeah. It's a fun game. It's a happy, yeah. fun game that the prisoners do to just bide the time. Yeah. And after Andy gets sprayed with a hose for a little bit and they get a talking to from the warden who claims to believe in Jesus, yeah. um, they all go to bed. Yeah. And then they start catcalling to the other prisoners. And there's this one prisoner, he's kind of big. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he he starts crying, yeah. right? And everyone's happy because you know one guy specifically is happy because he won the he bet. He bet on him, yeah. But That's but then right. but then he the prisoner he kind of loses it and he kind of has like yeah he really he has a little bit of a people are telling him yeah. to shut up before the guards come, but he does not listen no. and he gets beaten to death. Yeah, that literally that we find out later that's actually what happens. Yeah, the the chief guard Hadley. Fun time is over. Uh, Hadley goes yeah. in there, tells him to shut the fuck up. And he doesn't shut the fuck up, so he gets beat the fuck nope. up. Nope. That's right. Next day at the cafeteria, people are all looking over at at uh, Andy talking about him. We we meet um uh, James Whitmore and he's got Baby Bird in his pocket and you just want to pick him up and leave. Yeah, 
you want to pick him up and you want to leave with him you, and go, we're going to find you somewhere nice yeah. where you can raise that baby bird. You shouldn't be here. Well, yeah, because he, he found a baby. I killed 13 people with a pickaxe. I, I don't care. I, I set my whole family on fire. Come on, you're coming with me. You're a nice old man. It was at a wedding. I don't even know why I did it. It was just last year. Someone said, is that gasoline a wedding gift? And I just went blank. <laughs> I rooted for Hitler during the war. Okay, look, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, he's got a little bird, and actually, there, there's, a, you know, we're still getting introduced to prison life, mm-hmm. and you know, prison life yeah. kind of sucks. And uh, and there's a maggot. Yeah, in yeah his there's food like a worm, like a grub or something in in Andy's food, and Brooks is like, oh, are you gonna eat that? And at, and if you've never seen the movie before, at first you're like, oh man, is this old man gonna do something really gross? Because he he looks at the grub and he's like "Ooh, that's a nice juicy one and we're like oh fuck what's about to happen but he has a little bird in his jacket and he gives the worm yeah, to the he doesn't bird snort it or something like that yeah he gives the worm to the bird he's like oh he fell out of his nest and i'm just taking care of him and you're like oh what a nice old man that's who right. murdered people but you know that's now right. he's a nice old man <laughs> anyway uh so now we find out about the bad guys yeah and we hit on some uncomfortable uncomfortable things uh-huh because there's a group of men who want to have sex with andy yeah because they like him they like he him. sure is and pretty reds and they slipped in a little bit of dialogue that i don't think that steven spielberg wrote but i appreciate the fact that they put it in there and that was red tells him see those guys over there they want to have they want to have sex with you and andy goes uh, well i'm not a homosexual and Red says, neither are they. Right. You have to be human first. Right. Right? Right. Thanks, movie. It softens, <laughs> yeah, it softens the homophobia a little, which is appreciated. I mean, Just a little it's bit. Still, right. It still kind of sucks that, like, they're... It changes them from being predatory homosexuals to being fucking... Predatory babies. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. And I, that's why I don't think... I think Spielberg would have stuck to his yeah. guns. Well, King. He would have said, this happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and is what is does Andy ask him for something at that point? Uh, no. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Andy asks him for a rock hammer, and th- this right. is because this is the first conversation that that they've actually had, because um, Andy's been mm-hmm. kind of keeping to himself for the first couple weeks in prison, and then he, but he he hears through the grapevine that Red is the guy you talk to if you want stuff, so he asks for a rock hammer, and Red is like, they don't really like you to have hammers in here, you know. What with all the killing yeah, that you could you do. might kill yeah. somebody or build a desk. Yeah, exactly. And who wants that? Um, we don't. With last time I got a hammer for someone, he just built bookshelves. Yeah, no like, one here reads. No, we don't need that. Now we're lousy with bookshelves. So, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, Andy says, "Oh no, it's just a little hammer for you know." I was I, I like geology. Length the pipe and he installed toilets on the ceiling. I just. <laughs> He says, he says, it's just a little tiny hammer for like, you know, doing like, uh, you know, geology stuff. Like I like looking at rocks and he's like, okay, how do you look at a rock with a hammer? And he's just, just give me the fucking hammer. You see it. You're going to understand. Just give me the goddamn hammer. Is it a yes or a no? I didn't ask you for a machine gun red. Jesus Christ. Give me a fucking hammer. Would you? Meanwhile, the next guy's like, I want a machine gun. Is a machine gun on the table? I didn't realize we could ask for a machine gun. (laughs) That'll That'll be 19,000 cigarettes, please. <laughs> and you didn't get it from me. Mm-hmm. And then we get some more of the good old 
life in a prison. Ah, uh, yes. People doing, Andy doing the laundry. Oh, now that's how we see how stuff gets smuggled in. Right. Is through the right. laundry. Right, that's how, yeah, because there's, there's a guy like on the loading right. dock who works for Red and stuff gets sneaked in through the and laundry. And Brooksy, Brooksy goes cell to cell. Right, because Brooks. Asking if anybody wants something to right, read. Right, because Brooks works in the library, so that's how it gets distributed from from the laundry to the whoever. That's how Andy gets his rock hammer, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one day, Andy is working in the laundry, and something happens. Yeah, the the rape gang says, guess what? It's, it's rape It's clock. rape time. <laughs> and Andy's like, I don't want to get raped. And they're like, we didn't ask. Um, yeah, this is not an asking. Do you understand this, the that, principles that, behind that's, rape, that's, Andy? That's, that was, yeah, asking was never a part of this. That's not part. If it's asking and then you say no, it's not like we're just going to walk away. So what's the point of asking in the first place? And Andy's like, yeah, I really don't want to get raped. And and, and, mm-hmm. and and the head rapist guy is like, look, here's what's going to happen. Um, you're going to open your mouth and I'm going to put something in it. And Andy says, well, anything you put in there is going to get bitten off. How you like that? Yeah. And, uh, if you jab that thing into my thing, I am my jaw will instinctively clamp down and I'll bite your dick right. off. So they, they, they take the consolation prize of just beating the shit out of him. They just beat the shit out of him, yeah. Then they decide that they're going to tar the roof yeah. of one of the buildings. And that's a great job because... Because it's a nice time of year um, and you get to work outside. Okay. And so they go up there and they're going to tar the roof. And Andy overhears one of the prison guards talking about how he got all this money, but he doesn't know how to do anything with it before taxes take it out. And Andy decides, I think I'll attempt suicide. <laughs> and so he walks up to the meanest... The meanest the guard, guard that, beat a man the, to death. The guard, Our introduction to him the guard was him we, beating a man yes, to death. Yes, I was going to say, the guard that we know for a fact has murdered at least one inmate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because he was a banker, he says, you could do this and you won't have to pay any taxes. But he opens it the wrong way by saying, do you trust your oh, wife? Oh, yeah, and he almost gets his ass thrown off the roof. That's right, but then he convinces him, and all he wants is some beers. Right, for the rest of the, of the work crew. Yeah. For the rest of the work crew at the end of the day. And he didn't even drink one because he gave up drinking because he bought that that <laughs> destroy your life package from the, from the pharmacy and he's not going to nope. drink no more. He learned his lesson. Mm-hmm. And then he asks Red for... Is that when he... No. Well, yeah. No, we no, cut no, around well, they, more. They, 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 they have movie night. That's and the right. movie they watch is Gilda, starring Rita Hayworth. Oh God, yeah! And and everybody's like, "Oh my fucking God! Why are they showing us this?" The hair, the hair flipping back scene from Gilda is a heterosexual, a heterosexual test. If you yeah. don't, if there isn't a part of you that says, "What are you doing?" Oh my fucking God! <laughs> when Rita Hayworth throws her hair back. You can solidly say, if that does nothing for you sexually, you can solidly say, I'm gay. Oh, yeah. Or I, I'm asexual, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, you're not into girls, whatever you, whatever else you may be. You're not into girls. Yeah. Whatever that thing does, it overrides, it goes directly to your hindbrain. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can do exactly. about it. The caveman inside you goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> you get that weird deep body... body Shiver, and then the the logical part of your brain goes, "She's like dead. She's, yeah. She's dead now. It doesn't matter. I like, don't care. I'll invent a time machine. I'll do anything. I'm going back there. I'm going back there. 
What makes you think she'd even like you if you went back in time? I don't but care I'll, about like. I'll worry about getting to know her when I finally when I find a way to time travel. Just and even that's optional. See, I'm a caveman. I don't have morality. <laughs> and the prisoners enjoy it too. Everyone, every oh boy. Anyway, he asks him for a. Post- yeah. Well, I, well, what he says is, I want Rita Hayworth. I mean, it's it's sort yes. of understood what he means, but he says to Ray, "Say, can you get yeah. me Rita Hayworth?" And Red's like, "Well, it's going to take me a while." <laughs> and I wish they cut to a scene where <laughs> the laundry opens it up and the Rita Hayworth is in there going, "I'm late for call," and they just cover it back up again. Like, oh shit! <laughs> Red can get anything. Wow. Yeah, he got the the zombie of Teddy Roosevelt once. <laughs> Someone just asked for it on a whim. Five hundred billion cigarettes. Can't you see? Like, can't you see Red just like nonchalantly writing down the details? Like, I want mm. you to raise Teddy Roosevelt mm. from the dead and get him in here. Okay. Um, well, just finding the voodoo priest is going to take some yeah. time, but I can do uh, it. I hope you don't want it by Christmas. Does he have to be with all the flesh on, yeah. or some of the flesh on? Yeah. Or do you want a zombie that does? what you command you it to like do a, or do you like want like a Haitian zombie or ones? like a flesh eating zombie <laughs> I don't know I didn't think this was a hard question I just want the I want the zombie of I want the reanimated corpse of Teddy Roosevelt I could get you Aaron Burr quicker I don't no. want Aaron Burr what did you did you hear me say Aaron Burr red did you hear me say that you didn't and what do you want with this zombie? It's none of your, it's none of your That's business. That's when the guy gets like really cold and just shuts off. And it, it's not your concern, <laughs> Red. Flop sweat just starts. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to commit all the sins. It's, even the ones that aren't written down. That's between me and Teddy. But after the movie, guess what? Andy gets another visit from his friends. That's right. And what happens? He gets beat up real bad. Like, he gets beat up so bad that they put him in the infirmary. They put him in the infirmary. Yeah. And they put Boggs into solitary. Yes. And Boggs is going back to his cell, and who's in the cell waiting for him? It's Hadley. And it's he's Hadley. like, nobody fucks up my accountant. And Hadley beats him to the point in which he leaves the prison forever yeah. and has to eat through a straw yeah. for the rest of his so, life you know red found that out because red just wanted to make sure somehow and was like i gotta check in on boggs where is he now oh yeah he's in like a halfway house he does no use of his limbs <laughs> but um, when andy but when andy gets it. back to his cell after being in the infirmary all that time uh he finds that red has gotten him the poster of Rita Hayworth. Right. and also they decide they're gonna go look for interesting rocks for for right. him, well, because he likes well, rocks. And I think at this point he has said that he wants to carve a chess set. A yeah. chess set, yeah. So they found rocks for him to do that. Mm-hmm. But then the warden comes up and starts talking to talking to him about doing something, just like a quick little chit chat, you know. And they bond over the Bible or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He holds shit. up Andy's Bible and he's like, "I'm glad to see you reading this because you know salvation lies within." For Andy, yeah. Andy's like, anyway. "Yep, that sounded significant." So Andy gets assigned to the library with Brooks. Yeah. And you just want to grab that old man and you just want to run and run Get out of here, man. Let's just go. (laughs) 
You want his crow to fly down and peck out every eye that's coming after you. <laughs> Get him, Jake. But it turns out he's been sent there to do tech stuff. No. Yeah, for financial, financial stuff, stuff for, the, for, the guards. for the guards. Yeah, exactly. And he mm-hmm. becomes so well known for it that eventually they have people coming in from other prisons, like to get their taxes done and stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and he can bring in a staff, and so he brings in all of his buddies, and he's got his little consulting thing going. Yeah, and he starts doing he starts doing financial stuff for the warden as well, which is important. That's yeah. right. But then the worst thing in the world happens. Brooks gets released from prison. Brooks gets released from prison, and he nearly kills one of the guys because he says, "If I kill this guy, then I'll never They'll leave." Let me stay. Because Brooks knows. Yeah. Because he's scared. Right. He's been in prison for so fucking long. Yeah. He spent basically his entire point, adult life in prison, and he has no idea. It, it is kind of cruel to shove them out into a world that they know nothing about. Right. And that's what Brooks is afraid of. He's afraid that if he, you know, he's he wants to stay. And none of them get it. Red has to explain it to him. Yeah. He's like, that he's been institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And so then he has to leave, and he lets his bird go. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a little section of Brooksy uh, right into the guys. Yeah, it's the sad montage. It's more than just a fucking sad montage. It's like, hey guys, guess what? This ain't working. This is good. Because everyone's like, oh, he should be so happy that he's free. And he's not. He's a fucking grocery clerk. Yeah. He doesn't have to understand how things work. What is his line? Things, uh, the, the world's... What is it? The, the world got itself in a big hurry. Yeah. And yeah. He's not- well, because yeah, because it's nineteen. It's like the I think the early fifties by this point when he's released, and he told Andy at one point that he had been sent there in nineteen oh five. Yeah. So he's been in prison from nineteen oh five until like nineteen fifty something. So he's pre missed cars, like everything, pre yeah. movies, pre yeah. radio. Two wars had happened. He has yeah. been in, and and yeah, and it's like yeah, I mean, it's not like they're they're not completely shut off from society. They know about a lot of this stuff, but he has not lived in this society. He ever. hasn't had to live with. So it. yeah, so this is all completely new to him. And he's miserable. Yeah, and so he kills himself. Yeah, he ha- he he carves. Brooks was here on the beam in, in the, the apartment house, that they put him to. Yeah. yeah. And he hangs himself. And we're like, burr, burr, burr. oh, that was sad. I hope the movie doesn't end here. Anyway, so Andy had been writing for new books and records from the state, and he right, was for writing the library, them, yeah, yeah, for the library, and he was writing, you know, a letter a day. And then they finally sent stuff, and they told him, "Stop it! Oh, Stop my writing come letters!" Stop to tap dance all over the goddamn living room. Hi, oh. hi. I wish you were a crow. I'd love you then. Oh, that's not cool. Whatever. They like they understand English. Steve, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he decides on a little rebellion and he locks himself in in the radio thing and he puts on some music and he just plays it for the entire for the entire thing. And what is the piece of music that he plays? He plays uh, It's an aria from The Marriage of Figaro. Yeah, it's between two yeah. women that love each other. Yeah. And they all listen to it. Everyone takes a stop moment to listen to it, and it's really great. And then they bust in there. Um, what's his name? The the chief guard seems really Had happy it. to be able to do, to be able to Oh yeah. to be able to punish him. They put him in oh, solitary, yeah. but he says it was worth it because, you know, it brought hope. Red does not believe in hope. No, he says hope is dangerous Red, in a prison. Yeah, hope is dangerous. Yeah. So they keep going. His Rita Hayworth uh, poster gets changed to Marilyn Monroe. There are tons. All of his friends are working in the 
in the whole uh, I guess financial department of the lodge they I mean they basically are providing well and, and also the library has been expanded so yes yeah, so the library know, has yeah. been expanding and then because uh, the warden is a fucking goddamn Republican <laughs> I know I'm yeah. making that assumption he's, he's somewhat corrupt uh, mm-hmm. yeah he starts a scheme in which he's going to make money off of contracts by undercutting them and using prison labor. Right. And um, it's very illegal and corrupt. Yeah. And so uh-huh. Andy has to make up a fake person so that they can make deposits and keep stuff in a bank. And he's keeping all of the books for for the warden. And he seems perfectly fine with it, right? And he said, yeah. I had to I had to come to prison to become a crook. Right. I was straight on the outside. Because I got to prison and I turned into a crook. Yeah. Andy mm-hmm. has been maintaining this whole time that he did not kill his wife. Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of a joke at first because Red says, Oh, we're all innocent in here, you know, mm-hmm. and it's Except like for sort Red. of under Except for well, Red. Red admits that he yeah, Red admits that he actually did what he was convicted of. And in all yeah. this time we keep seeing Red going up in front of the parole board and being denied over right. and over again. Because he's giving them what he thinks they want, right? Anyway, a new prisoner comes up, and he's a young guy, and um, he gets along. They all really like him, and Andy tries to teach him so that he can get his GED. And then yeah. it turns out that this guy knew another guy in another prison who confessed to him that he's the one that killed Andy's wife and her lover. Right. And then Andy makes the horrible mistake of thinking that the warden gives a shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> at all uh the but i mean they make pretend that they're going to do something about it that this was all very you know you know very important yeah. yeah very important we'll take care of it and then they shoot that guy and then they throw andy in solitary yeah and, for like for for like two months i think yeah for which two is months like yeah the longest stretch in the hole that anybody can even remember mm-hmm. yeah and they basically tell him you're here forever we don't give a shit about you whether you're innocent or guilty we don't we're bad people haven't you noticed yeah. that we're bad we're bad people and you you belong to us and andy is very upset yeah the guy who's been carrying on hope and talking about hope appears to have lost hope and they have a nice little discussion in which Andy implies that he's going to die. <laughs> he's going to yeah, kill himself. And he, he, it sounds like he's going to kill himself. And the, the next day, he like, Red's Red. talking. Yeah. Well, yeah, Red, Red and him are talking. And he says to Red, you know, if you ever get out of here, um, there's a place where you need to go. And you need mm-hmm. to look for a big oak tree. And a rock that has and, no place being in that field. Right. A, a piece of volcanic glass that's like in a stone wall near this big oak. And if you, you should mm-hmm. go there and you, you pry it up. And underneath there's something there that I want you to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he leaves. And now Red is scared. Right. And then because one of their other buddies says, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Andy came by the loading dock today and asked for a length of rope. Yep. And Red's like, oh, and of course you gave it to him. And he's like, well, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, great. So now he seems super depressed and yeah. he has rope and this is mm-hmm. going to be great. And they show Andy putting the books away into the safe and saying goodnight to that prick lawyer. Um, condescendingly. No, no, no. That's a different scene. The, um, he goes into his room and Red's like, "I'm oh boy, this is bad. And he yeah. says it's the longest night of his life because he thinks Andy's going to kill himself. Yeah. They all step onto the line the next morning, and he looks down the looks down the line, and he doesn't see Andy. One of the guards goes, "Holy shit!" And they call everyone over, and now we're all going. Well, the first time you watch it, oh shit, Andy's yeah, killed exactly. himself. 
and and it is in it until that when the warden opens up his shoebox and he sees Andy's shoes in his shoebox, and then we hear the alarms go off in the prison that we get the first clue. Andy has escaped. Yeah, exactly. Andy's gone. They bring Red in. They can't figure out how he disappeared. Everything looks normal in the the cell. The warden loses his shit. (laughs) Yeah. Starts throwing rocks at people, and he throws one. And now it's Raquel Welch, so it's the 1960s. Right. Um, from she's wearing her fur bikini from one million years. One million BC. BC one yeah. billion BC. Yeah. And he hears it clickety clack, and he reaches into the poster and it goes all the way up to his shoulder because Andy said "fuck you," and he has been tunneling through that fucking wall for like the last twenty years. For like the last twenty years, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Fuck this shit! I'm leaving, and I'm fucking all you guys." Oh boy, this is the most satisfying ending to a goddamn movie ever written. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get like a montage narrated by Red, which basically explains what Andy did. Andy immediately after getting out of prison, well, first they explain he's been tunneling through that wall with a little hammer and dumping his wall out onto the yard when he wanders around. Things yeah, that were established, style. yeah, things things that were established at the beginning of the movie that they comment on, but we don't pay any attention to. Right. We don't pay any attention to the fact that he wants to read a Hayworth poster. We just assume he's horny and he wants one. Right. Right. And as it turns out, what he did was he stole, he did more than just steal uh, the shoes. He also stole one of the warden's suits, right? And he's wearing it underneath his, he was wearing it underneath his his prison uniform. And so he put all that up in a bag. He crawled through the thing. He broke open a sewer pipe with a rock. He crawled through shit all the way, what was it, 500 yards? 500 yards through like a sewer pipe yeah he got out cleaned himself off if it was me i would have been thrown up all over the place but then he dressed up into the suit took all the money out of the bank (laughs) because he was the fake dude that they made up for all the accounts then he sent all of the evidence to a newspaper of of what the warden did yeah of what the warden did that became a huge news story the police come they arrest, uh, what's his name, uh, Hadley. Hadley, yeah. Which we don't get to see him cry. I really wish we could have seen him cry. Yeah, well, Red, Red tells us that he breaks down and cries, but we don't actually see it, yeah. Yeah, he said I didn't see it, but I heard that he broke down and cried like a baby when they came to arrest him. Yeah. And then the warden decides, fuck it, and he blows <laughs> his brains out. <laughs> and we're so happy. Yeah, oh yeah. And every once in a while he'll get postcards. From Andy as he makes yeah. his way to Mexico because he tells them, what's the name of the place? Uh, Zehuatanejo. Zehuatanejo. Yeah. He says, I'm going to go to Zehuatanejo. And he gets postcards as Andy makes his way there. And he pictures Andy in this great big red convertible Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. And things go on. And then he gets called into the Pearl Board again. And he's like, Shh fuck you <laughs> he's like fuck you <sighs> fuck this process if you want to know i'm up if you want to know that i'm sorry yes fine but whatever i know i'm here for the rest of my life and then the worst thing in the world happens steve they approve his parole that's right and now he's doing the same thing that brooksy was doing and our guts clench up because yeah, you're like it's almost the end of the movie it's almost What's the end of happen? the movie and <laughs> he has been put in the same halfway house as brooksy was you know, 10 years prior, 20 years prior. Even the same room. Even the same room. Mm -hmm. 
and he's he keeps thinking about committing some crime so that he could go back to prison. Yeah. And then he remembers that Andy said for him to go find a rock. So he goes out, he finds a rock. Underneath the rock is a tin box. Inside the tin box was, fool you, and that's it. The end of the movie. Now, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some money. There's some money, which this is one of my... This is one of the greatest acting performances simply because when he sees there's money in it, he immediately gets up and looks around. He, yeah, yeah, he's like, is, what's going on? It yeah. is. Other actors would have just, you know, maybe glanced around or whatever, but Morgan Freeman is so goddamn good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a letter from Andy, and Andy's like, I gave you money. Come, come be my best friend for the rest of my life in Mexico. Do it now. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we have a, a great voiceover that's taken from the book. Mm-hmm. Where he's in, they could have ended it. He buys a bus ticket. He's in the bus, and he's talking about how he wishes to see his friend again, which is actually making me tear up right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then we have a little scene that they didn't need to add on to it at the end because Darabont was smart enough to know that he couldn't end it the way the short story ended. The short story ended on that monologue. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. yeah. But he knew if he didn't show the two of them at least seeing each other and being together, we would have been angry or disappointed. (laughs) So they cut to Andy, and he's next to blue water and white sand, and he's working on a boat. And we see Red walk up, and we don't... Now, here's the thing. Here's what's called restraint. Oh, boy. Listen up, Zemeckis. Here's what's called restraint. (laughs) All we needed to see was the two of them see each other. And then we do, uh, you know, we do a bird's eye view as we pan back. We don't see them hug and cry with a turn around as as we go around them. No, We don't need that. All we needed to see was the two of them see each other and be happy that they're seeing each other. Pan back. Movie over. I get some tissues. The end. Steve? That's it. That's it? Steve, tell me how much you love this fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean... This is a movie that sneaks up on you. Oh boy, it does. Um, As I think it snuck up on us as a culture. Now Now it's practically an institution, but when it opened, it didn't really make much of a splash at all i mean c- critics liked it it oh, wasn't yeah. yeah it didn't have a bad reputation ever but no you know critics liked it it got good reviews but it didn't sweep the awards and it didn't land at the top of many 10 best lists that didn't year. make enough money um, to sweep the awards yeah well and yeah it 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 didn't make much money at the box office but then it came out on home video and a few years later, it started to be shown on TV, oh, uh, yeah. particularly TNT. Especially TNT. And, and gradually, over the course of years, people discovered it and fell in love with it. Over the course of the years, people realized that it was their favorite movie. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and that's kind of what happens when you're watching the movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it starts out, and it's obviously well-crafted. 
It looks great. You know, Darabont has a fantastic eye and feel for pace and for dialogue. Setting. Um, setting. And tone. Ro- Roger Deakins is a fantastic cinematographer, mm-hmm. and the movie looks beautiful. Obviously, the cast is very impressive and does a great job. But, you know, the story is a little cliched. It's the innocent man sent to prison. There's the corrupt warden, the vicious guard, the sad but dignified old timer who has a pet bird. And it, and a lot of it feels kind of borrowed or sort of off the shelf. But it's always watchable. And it gradually pulls you in. And then when you get to the end and Red is walking up the beach... <laughs> and Andy's working on the boat and he gets up and goes to meet him and we cut to that aerial shot and there's just these two tiny figures and they're so tiny that even on the big screen you can just barely make them out and if you if you're watching you you, you just barely see them hug as it fades to black mm-hmm. and that's it and it's this beautiful moving moment and you realize that somewhere along the way, this movie that you initially found to be well-crafted, if a little trite, got you. Yep. It got you. It got me. <laughs> um, I love this movie. And it gets me every time I watch it. Yep. And when I think about why it gets me, and there's so many things about the movie that are good that, that we're going to talk about. But the thing that if you boil it down to one thing, why does it get me? It's because there comes a point in the movie where I believe that Andy and Red are friends. Yep. I believe that they care about each other. And I know I've said this before and, you know, we've talked about other things where this has come up. Um, but for me... If a movie or a show or a book or any other a story in any other format can convince me that its characters really care about each other, it's got me. Mm-hmm. That trumps so many other things. If you can convince me that these characters really care, because that because then they're real, mm-hmm. then they're human. Um, there are things about the movie that don't work that take me out of it a little. One of them, frankly, is Tim Robbins' performance as Andy. And it's not that he's bad, because he's nothing about the movie is bad. Um, but Robbins makes a choice to play Andy as this extremely low-key character. Remote. And, and remote, yes. And he mutters and mumbles and shuffles, and he's always looking at his feet. And, and Robbins is, is a very good actor and capable of being a very dynamic actor. So he's obviously playing Andy this way intentionally. This is a creative choice that he has made to play this character this way. It's also kind of in the book, and I also think that they used it because the idea that Andy was even trying to escape at any point, that was the whole part of the the misdirect. Andy's not the guy you would expect. Exactly. Yeah. And this Um, whole time he had been, it's almost as if he had planned his escape out to a T. Right. And it kind of also implies that he could have escaped at any time up until his great disillusionment. That's true, because Red even kind of says that. He says Andy must have gotten sick, of, must have decided he was tired of taking the warden shit and mm-hmm. just got up and left. Um, and, you know, and it, 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 it does suit the character. And the movie even does acknowledge it because there's the scene. It's that same scene, you know, that, that leads to everybody thinking that Andy's going to kill himself when yeah. he has that heart to heart with Red where he says, you know, my wife always said I'm a tough man to know. Um, so, I mean, it's it's all there intentionally. 
Yeah. But, you know, he's still the protagonist of the movie, and mm-hmm. we have to watch him for two and a half hours. Yeah. And there are times when I find myself wondering if, if Robbins couldn't have played him a bit more lively while still remaining true to the essence of the character. I don't know. I mean, and ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Be- because, as I said, by the end of the movie, I'm right with it. You know, I'm invested. I want Andy and Red to meet again on the outside. I want to see their hope validated. Um, Frank Darabont is really a wonderful filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great director. Thank God Rob Reiner didn't direct this thing. <laughs> because, and no disrespect to Rob Reiner, but Rob Reiner is not what I would call a great director. I think he's a great talent. I think he's a mm-hmm. great mind. He's a great comic mind, especially. But his films that he has directed have never terribly impressed me. Even his real, like, I mean, he directed Princess Bride, which is yeah. fantastic. He directed Spinal Tap, which is fantastic. But those aren't really, like, director's movies. Like, the no. strong point of The Princess Bride is not the direction. Um, <laughs> it but, was that you know, script that was sitting was around Hollywood it was, for 20 it, years. It was the yeah. script, exactly. And, uh, but, but Frank Darabont is a fucking artist. And, and he's also a great screenwriter. And yeah. his his script has these lovely classical uh, writerly touches that that run the risk of being cliched and trite and may have come across that way in a lesser movie. But here they work, um, so, you know, like things like showing us Red's repeated parole hearings. And then, you know, the last one, the one that gets him out is the one where he's honest because he just doesn't give a shit anymore. You know, mm-hmm. where he says, just release me or keep me here. I don't care. Um, and then having Red follow that same path as Brooks mm-hmm. to the point where he literally is in the same room and then having that beat doing where the same job, doing the same job. And then and then you have that moment where, you know, he carves something into the beam and mm-hmm. you see that it says, you know, Brooks was here. So was Red, you know, like mm-hmm. those those moments could easily have played as corny or as hackneyed. But it works because Darabont is a fucking artist and he makes yeah. them work, um, you know, and, and I mean, it's. It's just a great movie. And what you mentioned about the ending, like that, yeah, he could easily have ended with Red on his way to see Andy and, and deprived us of seeing their reunion. And it's still, I mean, it wouldn't have ruined the movie, but uh-huh. he knew, Darabont knew as a storyteller, first of all, Red's not the lead character of the movie. He's the narrator, but Andy is the lead protagonist. So for the movie to end and feel satisfying, we need to at least see Andy again. Mm-hmm. We need to at least see Andy again and, and and have it not possibly be Red's imagination, but see that Andy oh, yeah. really is really is outside and he's okay and he's in Mexico and he's doing the thing he wanted to do. Right. So that's important to give you that closure. A- Andy is the lead character. We see him again. We see red walking up to him and yeah, you just get that, just that glimpse of, Oh, they did find each other. They, yeah. It is going to be okay. Right. And you don't see, you don't need anything else but that. You just need to know that they're together and they, and they're okay. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, and it's just enough. Like it's just enough and it works perfectly. Um, it's just it's just a great movie. Yeah. And and I'm glad that it's so widely beloved by our culture. Um, I only wish that it had more of an influence on how we regard convicts and treat them upon release <laughs> in real life. Because, I mean, 
isn't it a shame? Because you're right. This is so many people's favorite movie across all across the political spectrum, liberal, conservative, whatever, like all different ages, different, uh, different races, different. And, and all, all new all generations are discovering different generations. Shawshank. Yeah. Every uh, seems like so many people count this as, as one of their favorites or, or their very favorite movie. And mm-hmm. isn't it a shame? That one of our favorite movies as a culture is this one, which is all about humanizing humanizing men who have been given lengthy prison sentences for horrible, violent crimes. And Andy may be innocent, but Red is guilty, and so apparently are all the other characters. Yeah. Um, they did the shit they were convicted for. Mm-hmm. And yet most of us can be profoundly moved by the story of these characters in this movie. It, it makes a very extraordinarily brave choice yeah and that is oh they're people yeah it humanizes they're people them. yeah and and we can watch this movie and see that and be be deeply moved by it and then we turn the movie off and go right back to dehumanizing real life convicts <laughs> exactly. and 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 not even allowing for the possibility that they might be able to reform and mm-hmm. re-enter society in a peaceful and positive way um that yeah exactly that sucks Mm -hmm. but the movie doesn't the movie is beautiful so Mm -hmm. there you go my turn do it a lot of people think of this as a prison movie um or a prison escape movie um i look at this as being the story of two people becoming friends becoming you know a deep friendship i don't have the problems with with robbins's performance as much as Steve does, mainly because when when Dufresne, when Andy is at his lowest point, and he is thinking, we don't know this at the time, but he is thinking, I've got to escape, you know, that there is no justice here. Even in the, even in the face of evidence that could exonerate him and get him out of prison, prison is going to hold him, right? Right. Because Andy had built a life in prison that he was actually okay with. He was he was okay with it. That scene has a deeper impact because of his relative remoteness remoteness through the entire film. Because we now see him deeply impacted by something that has pushed him to a decision that even he is probably a little scared of. And that scene between him and Red is the most emotion that we had seen from Andy, even after all of the other shit that he had had to go through. Right. Um, when he was placed in solitary for playing the record, when he was being attacked by uh, other prisoners, right? Right. This is the most... And if he had been more emotionally available, I don't think that scene would have had the same impact, right? This was something that was supposed to be like... This is supposed to be something that scares Red, where Red sees something in Andy that he's never seen before. And that is the one thing that Andy has been talking about this entire time. And that is hope. That Andy has lost hope, and Red is now afraid that Andy's going to kill himself. Right? And I think that, that that is heavily impactful. But the main yeah. reason people keep coming back to Shawshank is because of that friendship between Red and Andy Dufresne, which is which feels genuine. You couldn't get two actors who are more different, right? <laughs> no. You could not get two actors who are more different from one another. But their growing friendship over a number of years becomes believable. You believe that Red actually kind of admires Andy for the things that he manages to accomplish by just basically being 
you know, an unrelenting dick to the prison. He's like, they allow him to send letters, he's going to start sending two until they start getting stuff, right? When Andy, when Andy gets that job in the, in, in the, in the prison doing the taxes and, and the finances for the guards, he ropes all of his friends in so they're not having to do laundry or mopping or any of the other stuff. So he actually does help out his friends. Um, and you start giving a shit about his group of friends who all mm-hmm. seem to care about him that whole time when they start looking for for interesting rocks for for Andy when he's in the infirmary. You know, the, the horse apple scene. Yes, where yes. He, he picks up a horse apple and goes, what about this? And he's like, that's a horse apple. Um, but you give a shit about <laughs> them, too. There's a part of me that kind of wishes we could find out what happened to the other guys, but that would mean an end credits... Here's what happened to the other guys' stuff that would have driven me crazy. Yeah, that, right? yeah, that would have not been that would not have been good. Yeah. But the other part of it is this is also a revenge movie, and you yes. didn't realize how much you wanted. And it is so because he has been so low key, and you think there's no way that he's going to escape, and you're kind of pretty sure he killed himself at the end of the movie when it turns out that he had escaped and he had fucked everybody that had fucked with him. <laughs> yes. You get such a feeling of joy from that entire thing from when the the warden starts to panic and everyone, no one knows what to do and red just lays it out this is what andy did and now he's gone and he's free and you're happy yeah. you're like he didn't give up hope you know he didn't he saved enough hope for him to do that awful thing for 500 yards that he had yeah. to do to get out of that that fucking prison and they made sure that what he did wasn't how he escaped wasn't quick and it wasn't easy. Yeah. It was something that I don't think very many other people would have been willing to do. No. And that, which explains why t- nobody else has done it. Exactly. Because it's like, oh, there's a way out, but you're not going to like it. You're not going <laughs> to like it. <laughs> so I understand why this movie hits and continues to hit and continues to gain viewers from um, generations after it, why young people like it, why old people like it, why we like it. It's just one of those films. Yeah. It's just one of those films. And it's one of those films that manages to put stuff in there that normally would make some people icked out about it and manages to make it part of the world that they're creating, right? That's why I really appreciate the entire you have to be human first line. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to put it in there, but Darabont went, I really don't feel like, you know, Making it seem like homosexuals in prison are, and it, and and it is also the case that a lot of times the guys who are doing that in prison aren't. No, it's a power thing. It's a power thing for them, and so I appreciated that. So, do I like the movie? Yes, it's a gorgeous film. It's a, it is one of those emotionally satisfying films. You maybe don't watch it every year, but when you come back to it, you're guaranteed that you're gonna go, oh shit, I'm crying again. Why? I've seen this a million <laughs> times. And it's because it gives you a great emotional ending that is not contrary to what's happened prior, right? And it does, you're right, it does take all of these things, these tropes from other prison movies, but it uses its tools so well that it doesn't feel like it's, you know, territory that you've been going over before. We've seen prison escape movies before. And they go out of their way to make the prisoners, you know, they have to escape for this, that, and the other thing. I don't you know, either they're innocent or they got to do something to prove, you know, to prove their innocence or they've been wrongly accused or whatever. And this one said, no, these people are guilty. Except for Andy. Yeah, except for Andy. And, and the reason Andy escapes is because he realizes that even in the face of the truth of his situation, the system has him. 
Yeah. And he flips off the system, and we go, yay, fuck the system. And then we go back to watching TV or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's something else about it that I want to mention, too, which is... Sure. It's one of those movies... Because, like, at, honestly, if I were to just off the top of my head write down a list of, you know, my very, very favorite movies, I don't know if this movie would be on it or not. But it's one of those movies that, like there's a purity to it and there's this kind of elemental quality to it where it's weird to imagine that there was a time before this movie existed. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there, and there are only for me, there are only a few movies like that where Casablanca is one. And for me personally, um, uh, Chaplin city lights is one yeah. where it's like, how could there have, how could this movie have ever not existed? Like it's so pure and beautiful. <laughs> how could it ever have not existed? And, and with, mm-hmm. with, with Shawshank, of course it was made in our lifetime. So like I yep. lived all these years before Shawshank Redemption even existed. And it's mm-hmm. weird to think it's just one of those movies where you think this movie has been around forever. Like it just yeah. feels like it's always been here because there's just something so pure and perfect about it. And yeah. it's not, it's not even necessary, necessarily a comment on its quality, although the quality is is a part of it because it is a really really great movie, but mm-hmm. it just it feels like it, it's just always been a part of our shared experience, and yeah. it's strange to think that there was a time before that and a relatively recent time. I mean, it, it yeah. only came out in 1994, but it feels like it's been with us forever, yeah. in a good way, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then Frank Darabont turned around and said, "Look, I can do it again." Exactly. And then he made the Green Mile. <laughs> he was like, "You assholes have been sleeping on me for too long." I'm making another prison movie based on a, a a book for Stephen King, and I'm gonna make a completely different movie, but out of the same materials. And that's yeah. what's amazing about Green oh, Mile. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Green Mile is another great movie. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And you go into Green Mile going, oh, he's doing another prison movie based on a CMC, and then you go into Green Mile and you're like, oh. Okay, so he has a lot of talent, and he can make yeah. a completely different film. So he's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Steve, what are you not going to recommend? Oh, boy. So as we have, have uh, mentioned a time or two while we are discussing this amazing movie that is uh, set in a prison, um, there have been quite a few movies set in prisons that aren't so good. No. And I'm going to not recommend one of those. Okay. And I need to be very specific here because I'm going to not recommend a crappy prison movie starring Sylvester Stallone. That is a genre unto itself. Yeah. So I'm going to specifically say that the, the crappy prison movie starring Sylvester Stallone okay. that I am not recommending among all the possibilities okay is a movie from 1989 called lockup oh god it's bad how bad does it steve it's so bad that even sylvester stallone says it's bad <laughs> that takes a lot cuz he made Wait. cobra i know the guy who made cobra looks back now at lockup and says oh, that wasn't very good <laughs> um it's it's everything that that Shawshank Redemption isn't. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's full of, of tropes and cliches. That has nothing but, to say. 
It has nothing. Yeah, it never does anything artistically or creatively to to ennoble or rise above the cliches and the tropes that it's made of. Yeah, it has nothing meaningful to say. There are elements of, you know, the wrongfully accused convict who takes revenge on the evil warden. But it's just like rote action schlock Mm -hmm. with no heart and no creativity. And like I said, I mean, there was a period in in the the mid to late 80s and into the early 90s when Stallone was just cranking out dog shit. (laughs) But, you know, stuff like Cobra is at least watchable in an ironic way. Like you can watch Cobra and have a great time because Cobra is not a Cobra is not a good movie. But if you are in if you're in the right mindset or you're watching it with some buddies and you're making fun of it, it's a that's a great time. Mm-hmm. Right, but lock up. Eh, I mean, maybe you could do that, but it doesn't have nearly the. It's it doesn't lend itself to that nearly as well. Um, but it's just it's just a bad movie, and so I was thinking about because I was thinking about what well, what movie am I going to not recommend? I should do a prison movie. What's a shitty prison movie? Oh, I know. A lot of them. <laughs> a lot of them, but the, <laughs> but but I, my first I I lived, even before I picked this particular movie, I thought. Well, Sylvester Stallone's made some crappy prison movies, and mm-hmm. he sure has. And this yeah, is the did. one I'm not recommending, huh? It's very bad. Oh, it's a bad movie. So <laughs> there you go. Don't see Lockup. It's bad. Okay. Uh, 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 as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1994, and I'm not recommending Forrest Gump. Want me shock. to expand on that? Go go to our Forrest Gump re-review that was last year? I believe so, yes. I think it was last year. And here why Forrest Gump... See, Shawshank Redemption makes me feel things about the movie. The characters play a time-setting story. Indeed. Forrest Gump makes me feel things that are bad. (laughs) That are bad. No matter how hard they try to make me cry, it's a manipulative garbage fest of a movie that I absolutely cannot stand. It earns none of its tears. It is bad, and I am always going to be angry always that in the year that we got Pulp Fiction and the Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. that Forrest fucking Gump won for Best Picture so don't see it I mean I don't know who I'm telling you newborn babies <laughs> that, don't see Forrest Gump that, that horse is out of the barn but yeah, that maybe, horse maybe, is way out of the barn maybe future generations yeah <laughs> The only thing that's going to be worse than Forrest Gump is the remake of Forrest Gump the year after Tom Hanks dies. Oh, boy. who's Yeah, starring some actor who hasn't even been born yet. Who hasn't been born yet. Right, exactly. Because Tank Tom Hanks ain't going nowhere anytime soon, buddy. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's it. Yay. Good movie. Yay. Absolutely. Hey, Steve. Yeah, Jason? Do you know what time it is? I, I think so. Bad motherfucker, I'm oh. back! Oh no! Oh my god, it's that time of year! That's right, it's that time of year again where we're going to be doing the spooky movies because all of our next review will be in October and that's yes. when we do all the scoop, spoopy poopies. Yes, master, the spoopy poopy movies. It's hard yes. to jump right back into this accent. There you go, there's my Steve. <laughs> you, you had to dial it in a little. That's right, you're saddled with these two assholes for the next two shows. Oh boy. And we're 
were going to do spooky movies and I have created a torture test for my my henchman Steve. Are you I ready, Steve? I am ready to make the terrible choice, yes. You have to choose between A, B, and C to select the next movie we're going to watch for Halloween season. So, Steve. Okay. A, B, Ooh. or C. Ooh, let me see. You pick the me... wrong one, I'm going to kill you. Oh, fuck. Okay. Again. I, here we go again. This is like the ninth time. I'm tired of trying to figure out new and fresh ways to kill you. Well, okay, here we go. I'm going to choose... Uh, I choose C. Oh, God damn oh, it. Oh, God, you're, you're not going to have to I'm kill me, are you? I'm only saying this because you're hurting yourself. Oh, no. All right. Had, had, had Steve chosen anything else <laughs> oh boy i always do this had he chosen a we would have watched one of steve's favorite movies i am now firmly convinced that he is never going to select it ever <laughs> the not really spooky and does not have a monster in it the invisible man oh, from this 1933 hurts. oh this hurts had he chosen B, he would have chosen a movie that we've been trying to get reviewed for, I don't know, 300 years. But he jumped right past Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Oh, Hyde. So good. 1931 with Frederick Mills. So good. So good. Transformation scene was so ahead of its they time. Use, they used the red and green light. So That's right. But it was black and change. white. So we, yes, exactly. But you chose C. I did. Which may not be a great movie. I don't know. It's, oh. it's been a long time since I've seen it. I mean, it's got a guy in it that I like, but this okay. is like his first movie oh. ever. Oh, boy. And yeah, that's Steve McQueen. But oh. he's not doing anything cool like shooting guys or making out with girls. All he's doing is running away from the blob. Oh, here we go. If I have one thing about the blub that I don't like is that its theme music is shit. How are you supposed to get scared when you have a, it reads and reads across the floor? Is it, what are they doing, Steve? Why? They had to write the theme song for it. It's not a sitcom. So if you want to understand all of the strawberry jam jokes that we're going to do on our next episode, then you watch the blub. Yes. And that's it. Hope you guys are ready for Halloween. I'm not. Yeah. It's been another year. How in the hell is this happening? I don't it's know. happening so goddamn fast, Steve. <sighs> well, you've listened to another one of our reviews. Hey, thank you guys for listening in. For late seating, this is Jason Harding. It's Go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Scheib. So you go on and stamp your form, Sonny, and stop wasting my time. Because to tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. Okay. Okay? Are All right. Clear? I'll, send you, I'll send you the documents in the mail. Yeah. Just send me my copy. Okay. I, I, it's a release form. You don't have to be here anymore. <laughs> Who Thanks for equating the podcast to prison, Steve. I thought we had fun. I who's thought we were friends. Who's going to co-host this show with I, you if I bail? Are you going to get Andrew had, to co-host with you? No, I'll give my dog who jumped Your up dog? on my lap and said, It's okay, Daddy. I love this show. You, who cares? Steve looks at it as prison. So fine, up yours. I hope you get a job or a grocery store. Let's let them hear all the customers you're 
movie reviews and opinions. I just, I, I already know what I'm going to carve on the beam, too. What are you going to carve on the beam? I'm going to, I'm well, you know how uh, it says uh, Brooks was here? Yeah. And then it says, so was Red? Uh-huh. I'm going to carve right next to that. I'm going to say, and they both sucked. Oh, I'm glad you're gone. I'm glad I'm releasing you. Can we release you three times? <laughs> you can never release me, though. <laughs> Don't do that. Now I have to do the, the voice. <laughs> I do every no. show in character from now on. October. <laughs> Even the romantic comedy we do in February. It drives our audience crazy. Yeah, Not like... one person ever has said, Oh, how I oh. look forward to hearing... <laughs> The, the weird Dr. Vampire character. <laughs> I can't wait for them to do those delightful voices. It's not self-indulgent at all. But neither do I hear, oh shit, these two again. So I think they've just kind of resigned themselves. They just know it's going to gonna happen. <laughs> There's nothing they can do. They can complain, but we don't care. Yeah, it's like visiting relatives that you don't like. It's just for once a year. It's once a year. Let's just go so we can cross it off the list, reset the clock. Aunt Dorothy does have a mustache, but you only have to feel it up against your your cheek once, maybe twice a year. That's it. It's not. If you're unlucky, directly on your mouth. It's not the end of the world. It's remember, it's not the mustache that bothers you. It's the gentle cupping. Of your buttocks. Thanks for reminding me of that. No problem. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.